Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, we do give you thanks just for the incredible life that you've allowed us. We remember again, Jesus said, I've come that you might have real life, abundant life, overflowing life, unlimited life. Father, I, I feel that we need to ask forgiveness sometimes for accepting what's satisfactory and not realizing that you want us to press in to the abundance indeed, to press in to the substance that you do want us. We really are still your children. We are the children of the Most High God. And your word does say that you watch over those who revere you. Your word does say that you make a way for them. In the name of Jesus, you said that that name carries all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. And that we are people in this hour that are called to rule and to reign. That's still what this book says. And Father, forgive us for getting maybe a little, I don't know what, lackadaisical, forgetful, whatever it is. Help us, Father, to understand that we must be a people who move in faith. We need to be a people who stretch out every day of our life to trust, to believe, and to declare. That is, to declare and truly live by what you've called us to live by. So I just want to thank you again today, Father, for your great, this word of yours. You said the entrance of your word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. So again, I pray, Father, that you'd grant us a rich measure of your spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Open up the eyes of our understanding and help us to see, in Jesus' name, help us to see what is the hope of our calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you, anybody's a preacher, you'll know what it is to prepare to do something. And in the morning, you're getting ready to speak. You read something just before it, in front of it, and you get all messed up. In other words, you find something else that you're thinking about. So I want you to turn to John chapter 12. I read from the Amplified Bible. I, I was going to speak, and I maybe still may get to a moment of it, but I just don't know because of how the Holy Spirit's talking this morning. Um, you know, it's been a long time since I taught about the, taught the love walk here. And I, all week I just kept being um, quickened again. You know, to John 13, it's one of my favorite, 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 favorite teachings. When I used to go and itinerate all over the place, if I'd never been to a church, it was the first, it was the message I was had a mandate from God to always speak. And the very first time I went to a church to start teaching John 13. John 13, 1 is when Jesus said, it says, Jesus, knowing that the time had come for him to leave this world and to depart unto his Father, having loved his own, he loved them to the last of the highest degree. To the highest degree. And then it, it speaks about, in other words, everything that happened, Jesus knowing the whole critical aspect of the statement was what his mind was consumed with, John 13, 1. What his mind was consumed with is that I'm about to go. So you have to think about it. If you knew that you knew that you knew, he, that you, and he, in other words, right now, Jesus knows he has three days. He has 72 hours of life left on planet Earth. 
Everything from John 13 to John 21 happens in the last 72 hours of his life. And he predicates this whole share, this thing that he goes into where he, all, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know whether to just jump there or not because of something that I, I, I want to say about John 12. But, well, let me just race to it. It's Jesus has got his 12 disciples. He knows he's about to leave. Of all the examples, it goes on to say, this is the example I've given. He washes their feet. And you've got to catch this. You know, of, of, if you've got 12 men that are your disciples, one here is going to deceive, going to you know, betray him. But it's always impacted my life so much, this if you know that you know that you know that you're about to go, you're, you're about to leave, you're going to die. And you've got 11 men here under you. You've got your team. And whatever this mission or whatever this ministry is that you carry, that God gave you from heaven, the responsibility, the weight of the truths of the whole mission, the whole message is about to be passed on. And the baton's about to be given over into these 11 men. And you think about, it's such a leadership thing, but of all the things, I mean, you know, they, these disciples witnessed in three and a half years the healings, the deliverances, the miracles, the multitudes being fed, you name it, of all the things they experienced, you know, in three and a half years, the thing he chooses to do when his mind is consumed with the fact I'm about to leave, the thing that's most imminent in his thinking and in his heart, the example he wants to leave for those who are going to carry on heaven's mission is foot washing. He washes their feet and then he looks at them and he says, do you understand? And the fact is we don't. <laughs> but he looks at him, if you can just always picture what his eyes, what must have been you know, to walk with him, what it must have been like for the disciples to look, to look, because he washes their feet, and I can just see him looking up, and he's, because they're all going, what, what is, what is he, what's he doing? He's going disciple by disciple. This is a Passover. You know, he's washing their feet, and he looks up in their eyes. And I often dream about what his eyes must look like, but anyhow, and he says, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me the master. And he said, the teacher. And he said, that's what I am. But he said, and he goes on to share about this, but the master is not greater than the servant. He said, if I have done this, if I am your master and your servant, I've done this unto you, then it is your duty. It is your obligation to do this to one another. And he gives him this incredible thing about that the height, the most important aspect about biblical leadership, spiritual leadership, is having the desire to serve. There's so many teachings there. How many of you think possibly Jesus was anointed? And of course he was. But the thing is, there's so many things. Carrying God's anointing, you see the image, what he's shown there is that you must always be ready to bow your knee and wash the feet of those who are lesser anointed than you. Or in other words, have a lesser position than you because again, in the kingdom, it's not really 
It's not about position. It is about relationship. And it's about willingness to serve. But he goes on later. I'm really messing up John 12 because now I'm in John 13. <laughs> but he goes on to John 13, 33, and 34. He says the same thing in John 15. He says the same thing in John 16. And then you have to read all of 1 John. It's the whole love walk teaching. But he says, and again, you got to think, what's consuming his mind is still John 13, 1. I know I'm about to leave. So having loved his own, he loved them to the last, to the highest degree. In other words, I've just got to pour out what really makes a difference. And he says, a new commandment I give unto you. What? That you love one another. And then what's verse 34 say? Anybody know? You're all looking up there. Can you read it? I give you a new commandment. That you should love one another just as I loved you. So you two should love one another. What's the next verse? I wonder if he means this. Or if maybe it's just an accident in the text he wasn't reading. <laughs> He's, he says the one identifying factor that's going to designate or cause you to be seen as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it still comes down to this, folks, is the love you have for one another. To me, that's still the most phenomenal truth. There there is no greater truth. There just isn't any greater truth than that. And like I said, he repeats it in John 15, repeats it in John 16, and all of 1 John. I mean, I've got some stuff here on notes, but I won't be able to get to it. But I, I just I think we, I just wanted to refresh that to our thinking. A commandment, the definition, I always remember when I found, I was reading up, you know, me doing words that, the definition of the word commandment, a new commandment I give you. And this is critical because we've been commanded I said, we've been commanded, not requested. It's not whether or not you and I feel like it. It's a military word. We've been commanded to love even as he loved. The word commandment means this, quote, a declaration or a decree from which there is no retreat. I used to just sit back and read that. A declaration or a decree from which there's no retreat. Father, I've been commanded. This isn't about how I feel. This isn't about, I can't walk like you want me to walk and be concerned with my feelings right now. If somebody has been bad to me, I I can't walk by that. If I'm going to be one of your guys, if I'm going to actually be one of your men, I'm, you know, I just have to, I have to suck it up somehow, some way. I need to be, I need to somehow become disciplined enough to understand that there's a higher goal. There's something more important than me feeling like I've been justified 
or been exonerated when somebody's done me wrong or all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like God wants to remind us about that afresh this morning, that this is a commandment. Just smile at me a little bit, make me feel okay. It's a commandment. If, if we really want to be known as far as heaven, heaven is watching and all of what heaven wants to do, heaven is watching it. If we really want to be known as a follower of Jesus, you see, there's a lot of people that are followers of churches, followers of doctrines. But to be a follower of this man, Jesus, the son of God manifested in the flesh, died for us, raised from the dead on the third day, seated at the right hand of God where he ever lives to make intercession for us. If we really want to be followers of him, heaven watches to see if we, if we know this, if we know that everybody else may be shinier, may be more spectacular, there more, may be more buzz and more pop. But do they really know what I love? Do they really know what it means to wash one another's feet? Do they really, really understand that the highest expression of Christianity there is is the love of God? I, when I teach the love walking, you know, I taught it for four, three years when we first took the church. I taught, it, I taught nothing but the love walk for three solid years. But one of the aspects I always used to get to, whether it was in the Bible school or in the church, I would ask this silly question. I'd say, how many of you believe that God is possibly spiritually mature? Anybody, if I asked you a question, how many of you think God's possibly pretty spiritually mature? Maybe. Possibly. How many of you believe that God's got good hearing? Do you think he... You think possibly that God can hear? How many of you think God's good? God. How many of you think God has good eyesight? He can see pretty well. And like I said, I'm just sharing what I, what, how he taught me all those years ago. First John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. Love one another. Lovers of God. dun 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 Knoweth not God, for God is love. Loving, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. No, but you saw, you know, we always had to sing all sing the scriptures back in those days, Teen Challenge. But God is love. So if God has good eyesight, then when we begin to copy him, Ephesians 5.1, and walk in love even as he loved us and offer up our life as a sweet-smelling sacrifice, when we begin to walk in the God kind of love, and if God can see pretty well, and if Rod begins to really walk in the love of God, then Rod begins to see what God sees. I begin to have much better vision when I'm seeing from love. Rod begins to hear so much better than he ever heard before because he's not 
just hearing here is hearing from his spirit man. And so all years ago, I remember writing my notes all those years ago. So to me, I, like I said, we believe God's pretty spiritually mature. Then my statement is this. I believe that the only real possible definition of what real spiritual maturity is, the only real definition that you can have is that spiritual maturity can only be measured by how much of the love of God you allow to flow to you, in you, and through you to the rest of this world. Because he's the one that changes lives. And so it's an incredible experience, this thing called Christianity. Because sadly, most of our life, most of us, Honestly, we go to our grave without ever having the revelation of how much we're loved. In other words, we're still working through all the condemnation and the crud that the world and other people have put on us. And we don't live enough knowing already I'm accepted in the beloved, hallelujah. So that's dead and dusted. I'm not going to sweat any more of the condemnation about the old man, what used to happen where I was in those days. And now I know that I know that I'm loved. Hallelujah. Whether you like it or not, I'm loved by God. And now, rather than always living, hoping, dreaming, one day this will get fixed in my life. I wish somebody would lay hands on me and get me delivered from this. You actually wake up to the fact that I'm free in Christ. And then you start living on the other half of heaven where you start really getting excited to who can I be a little bit of Jesus to today? Where can I go today and release a little more fragrance of this Christ who has set me free? Hallelujah. Amen. And that's basically what all this is about. (laughs) I can't go to John 12. I'm just going to pray. We're done. Worship team. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 